Greetings. Welcome to another episode of Resumes and Interviews. I'm your podcast host, Nicolette Hemingway, the interview career coach. I help professionals like you develop the skills to interview with confidence and competence. I will also help you write that resume where you stand out from other candidates. If you are transitioning careers, seeking a promotion, or changing industries, I am here to assist you. I want to welcome today my podcast host, Kate Pazesnik, and she is going to talk about job offers and negotiations. So this is for you professionals who are in the process of looking at your job offer, and she'll give you some tips on negotiations as well. How are you doing today, Kate? And welcome to Resumes and Interviews. I am fantastic. It is so lovely to be here. Thanks for having me as your guest. And I'm very excited, not only from a professional standpoint, but a personal standpoint to share tips and advice around job offer negotiation. I have been in your shoes. Uh, those of you who are listening in, I know that it can be overwhelming and a little frustrating and intimidating, but I'm here to help ease your pain a little bit uh, and give you some insights that will make you feel much more confident than trying to go to, to uh, negotiate your job offer or promotion. Well, great. Thank you for the introduction, Kate, and we'll get right to it. One question I have for you are, what are the main reasons a job seeker should negotiate? Well, there are many. This is a really great question. Um, And it sounds obvious, right? But one thing that I found surprising was based off of a, a study uh, from 2019 that JobVite did, and it found that 83% of job seekers who tried to negotiate their pay were able to secure higher pay, 83%. Now, in addition, 33% or a third of those folks received a 10% or higher raise. So imagine that most of us, <clears throat> excuse me, are used to getting maybe a, a poultry three to four or 5% raise that barely, if, if at all, touches inflation. So the fact that by just asking for the money, 83% of people who did actually got higher pay and a third of those received even higher than 10%. They doubled or tripled that annual increase that a lot of people see. So that's number one, is simply because you can earn more money. Now, the other reason that you would want to negotiate, especially uh, particularly if you are a woman or minority, is to to close those gaps in wages. They're significant and they must be addressed and one way by doing so is negotiating. Other reasons include just uh, basic financial security, uh, thinking about building generational wealth for your family, empowering other people around you to also negotiate based on their worth and their experience and background. Now, it also opens the door for future opportunities, right? So if you can negotiate a job offer or promotion, that uh, moving ahead, that advancement is going to set you up for future opportunities. And it's also going to increase the perception of other people's perception of your value, right? The, The better and higher you can negotiate your pay, the more value that others perceive you having. So those are just a few reasons that I I believe job seekers should really 
um, you know, boost their negotiation skills and take that chance because it really does have great payoff. And that's a great response because that's true. You know, you have not because you ask not. So if you don't ask, you won't get. All, and I tell people, I said, all they can do is say yes or no, but at least you put the offer out there. So that is a great response. Thank you, Kate, for sharing that. My other question I have to ask you are, what are some common negotiation myths? Well, there are several that are floating out there, and I think that they prohibit people from really pursuing asking, you know, pursuing those conversations around getting a raise. And a few of these misconceptions include, um, if I deserve a raise, I'll get one. I'll just automatically be given one, right? Well, that's where that two to three percent raise, that performance annual performance raise comes in. If that's the attitude that you have about uh, pay raises, promotions, then you're probably just going to get that very nominal increase, right? So the idea that your hard work alone is going to get your promotion or pay raise is misleading. You've got to know what you have to offer and then be able to articulate it to get the pay that you deserve. Some people say, oh, I should be grateful for any offer, Kate. You know, I, I got an offer. I need a job. I should just take what I've got. Now, a lot of times we are told to be happy you got a job. You've been searching. However, the first offer is a jumping off point for negotiations. In fact, between 65 and 70% of recruiters and hiring managers absolutely expect candidates to negotiate. So if you get that initial offer and you're not negotiating, not only are you missing out on an opportunity for higher salary, but you're also kind of setting the stage that you're not necessarily a strong negotiator. And if your job is in sales or marketing or any type of um, role where you need to be influential, it could actually be seen as a downfall. Um, this I also hear, particularly from women, um, that ne negotiation can be seen as being aggressive, especially women see this. Oh, you know, I, I don't want to be seen as being too direct or, uh, or unfeminine, but frankly, this is a skill that has to be developed and needs to be leveraged respectfully. And that can easily be done. So we'll talk more about that as, as we go along. Another fear or conception misconception that folks have is that their fear is that their offer is going to be rescinded. And while there are circumstances that this can happen, it's generally not common. And again, to my earlier point, you know, recruiters are anticipating that you are going to negotiate. And then the last thing I would add is that sometimes people think that salary is the only thing that can be negotiated. Now, it is foundational, right? Um, but it's just one of many benefits that could be negotiated. We'll talk a little bit more about one of, of what some of those examples are um, as we continue the conversation. Well, that is great, Kate. You're right. People think that if they ask for an increase in something, that the offer is going to be rescinded. That is not true. Like you said, very few cases. I'm working with a client now who got the job, was offered it, but when it came down to her having a driver's license, she didn't have that, that's when they rescinded the offer. And the other myth that you touched on is you want to, you come across aggressive if you're a woman. But again, hiring managers and recruiters are expecting you to negotiate. 
Because again, that is a skill you have to develop is negotiation. And you want to negotiate anything that you feel you want an increase in. Anything is negotiable. Now, whether you want to take the time and effort and be patient for them to get back to you is the thing. You can negotiate leave. You can negotiate education training. You can negotiate your start date. You can negotiate your flexibility in your job. You know, do you do hybrid? Those type of things. So be firm. Be consistent in negotiation. So that is so true about not wanting to, oh, I'll just take the first thing, smoking. No, they're expecting you to negotiate. Well, and one thing I want to touch on and emphasize is you said have patience. Yes. This is key, especially when you're feeling the urgency of needing to get back to work and the bills are piling up. It's really, really difficult to be patient. But in order to... to cinch that extra 20 or 30k or maybe you know five days of pto it does require being patient and tactful um so just know sometimes you really just got to hang in there and what are they there's a cliche that says uh good things come to those who wait come to those who wait right there's a reason it's a cliche right (laughs) and you're right i remember when i was first starting out in my career my career was public health and I got a job offer from the state health department. I was so excited and I took the um, salary that they offered. A few weeks later, my director came to me and he said, Nicolette, you should have asked for more money. You're the only one in this office that has a master's in public health. But I didn't know any better. I, you know, I had been out of grad school just a couple of years. And like you said, I was so happy to get the job. I just took it. And I didn't realize they had ranges. And they started me off at the low range. You can best believe two years later, I asked for a significant raise and I got it. So y'all don't take what they first offer. Negotiate it. So you don't want to be on the bottom end you want to be where your worth is how you value yourself as a professional with your skills and your experience so definitely don't take the first stop learn from me now okay oh go ahead oh go ahead i was just gonna say you know i have a similar story and i think you know listeners who who are joining us probably also have one and it should make you feel a little bit better uh, those of you in the audience that two career professionals have also had similar experiences where we you don't know what you don't know right and one of the things that I found really beneficial not to jump too far ahead was how do you find out if you're being underpaid how do you know if the offer that's being presented to you is in fact their best and one quick story um I fell into the same trap you did, uh, Nicolette, where one of my first corporate jobs, they basically came in and said, this is the only compensation that we offer for this particular role. This is it and nothing else. Well, of course, I found out months later that everyone else was getting paid at least 10, 20K higher than me. And so when I came to the next job, I did a little homework. 
I found out, you know, what the job usually paid in the market, geographic, etc. But then I also asked um, a couple people that worked at the organization that I already knew from past networking opportunities. And I had already had a rapport established, so I, I went to one of those folks and I and I asked them, hey, would you mind giving me a range for what this, this role typically pays? I was going to ask for $75,000 base salary for this role. It was a business development sales role. I ended up, based on the knowledge that I got from those informational interviews with a, a, a current employee, I ended up raising my salary by... 15k just from that one conversation so and again you know if you don't ask you don't get and if you don't do your homework you don't know what that fair compensation is so don't make the same mistake that Nyquette and I have made which is not finding out what that should look like so that you're not getting uh, underpaid because it's it sucks two two years of of that difference pay is you know Maybe your annual vacation, sister. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Look you know. at it. <laughs> I know. So it is important to do your research, know the salary range of that position, and also know your value so that you don't undercut yourself. You want to get paid what you're worth. So those are good lessons. Don't do what we did and get shorted, right. you know tens of thousands of dollars. Get what you're worth. Well, Kate, I want to ask you, can you share some insights into the etiquette and timing of negotiation, negotiating a job offer? When is the right time to initiate discussions and how can candidates express their interest without appearing overly aggressive? You know, it's interesting about timing. Because a lot of people, particularly for um, annual annual pay raises, most people will wait till the end of the year when those annual performance reviews typically take place. Let me tell you why that's the worst time to be asking for a pay raise. Number one, it's when everyone is asking for a pay raise. Number two, you're going to get lost in the shuffle. It's going to be much harder to, to, to stand out if you're if you're having a conversation at the same time everyone else does. Now, if you, I would suggest approaching a conversation for a pay raise outside of those typical cycles when the budget's available, when there aren't everyone else competing. You'll have more attention from your manager and perhaps their manager or VP to make these calls on, on your pay raise. So, that's one tip I would give around negotiating for, for promotion or pay raise. Now for job offers, this is tricky because a lot of times recruiters will bring up pay early on in the conversation, maybe in the first or second interview. And in that, in that case, that's fantastic. A lot of times it's, it's advantageous if you are not the first person to bring up pay or a range because generally the first person who throws out an initial offer in negotiations is the loser of the negotiation. So you want to make sure that you can try to get um, the conversation initiated by the recruiter or hiring manager in a job offer situation for a new position, right? I would say, as long as you're respectful in the way that you speak and you're not being unreasonable in your asks, 
that you're not going to come across as overly aggressive because again, uh, you're expected to negotiate those initial offers. So I, I, I think if you go in with <clears throat> some tact and, and uh, patience and justification, then you're not going to come across as being uh, too assertive or aggressive. Now, Kate, let me ask you this. If it is a new job offer and say you thought you were going to get something around the $85,000 range and the job offer says they're only going to offer $75,000. So once you go over that offer, is it fair then to go back to them in like four or five days? You know, thank you so much for the offer. One thing I'm looking at is the salary. And based on my experience, you're going to justify why you deserve that 80 to 85K. Now, is that appropriate since you actually got the job offer in hand to be the first one to bring up, you know, negotiating the salary? Absolutely. I think in that in that situation, it's absolutely appropriate. And you mentioned a couple important things. They've given you the offer. So you already have something to work with. It's concrete. Um, and so I think that, oh, and the other thing that I like that you said is being able to justify it. And that is when uh, being able to tell stories about your accomplishments come in. So a lot of you have probably heard of STAR or CAR XYZ, if you've interviewed with Google before, and, and essentially it's discussing the situation, task, the action you took and the result. So as you're having these uh, conversations about justifying your salary, you want to refer back to the main two or three accomplishments or experiences or qualifications that make you better suited than other candidates. That's going to remind them of why you're worth X amount of dollars. If you're in sales or marketing, see if you can come up with ways that you've, uh, or that you can quantify money that you've helped bring in, revenue that you've helped um, uh, bring in through your efforts. Those are, those are especially impactful. That's just a couple examples. Great. So again, you all justify, pick out two to three achievements, accomplishments that you've made that has improved maybe the organization's processes that have contributed to the organization's bottom line. Because again, you want it to be a win-win, not only for you, but for the organization as well. So thank you, Kate, for that one. How can one research and benchmark industry standards to ensure they are negotiating a competitive compensation package during a job offer discussion? Well, there are a lot of different ways to establish what your market value is and what organizations are typically paying for the roles that you're applying for. And I would say most of this research can be done online. So indeed.com, salary.com, Glassdoor, uh, salary experts another one. And so is OpenNet um, Online, which is a, a government site that can have a lot of uh, wealth of information. And then you can also even reach out to individuals. So it could be HR at the organization that you're applying for. It could be a temp agency that hires out for that type of work, or even potential colleagues or folks that you know have served in those roles. The key here is not to ask for a specific number. Ask for a range. People feel really uncomfortable when you're like, how much do you make doing this? They're like, oh, I don't know what to say. But if you say, um, 
you mind giving me, um, you know, a range of maybe 50K of, of what this particular position has historically paid X That alleviates some of the anxiety of being asked a, a what can feel like an uncomfortable question. That's true. Give a range. And again, do your research. There's so many online resources out there that can give you the pay for that particular industry, that particular career. So you want to do your research. That's probably one of the most important things you can do when it comes to negotiations and promotions to know what the industry standards are and what the pay is giving. So thank you for that. Now, can you provide an example of non-monetary benefits that technology professionals might negotiate for in a job offer? I know you do mostly technology-based, you know, coaching and resume writing. Yeah, there's actually quite a few things um, outside of salary that can be negotiated those include, uh, for example, especially if you're a high-level um, senior executive or you're working for a startup, stock options or equity in an organization can be negotiated. If you're in sales, your commission uh, caps or bonuses uh, could be um, negotiated. A sign-on bonus could be negotiated. You can also try to get more PTO, uh, ask for a sabbatical after X number of years, um, another popular one over that we're seeing is a flexible schedule or remote work environment. This can be negotiated, folks. If your if your job can be performed with an you know Wi-Fi and a computer, you probably can do that job just about anywhere. And then another thing that um, actually two more things I would say merit uh, negotiating, and one of them is asking for some type of professional development budget. Particularly if an organization um, emphasizes developing oneself and continually learning, ask for money for it then if it's so important to them. And then lastly, particularly if you're a senior level executive, severance is something that you would want to negotiate uh, at the front end of uh, taking a job, right? During the, the initial uh, job offer, I would approach that as well. And that's great because I don't think people are looking at negotiating severance at the beginning. Normally, once the severance package is given, that's when they try to negotiate. And more than likely, you're not going to get what you're looking for when it's at the end. But at the beginning, that is the best time to negotiate it. So definitely, you senior level professionals, you want to do that at the beginning, not wait till the end because it'll be too late. Well, and think about it. I mean, if you, okay, at the beginning, they love you, they want you, you're welcome. You know, it's the honeymoon phase. You wait until you know what hits the fan. There ain't no money for anybody. They no longer love you, or maybe they do love you, but it is not personal. Now it's just a business decision. Right. So to your point, definitely get that up front. It is absolutely worth it, particularly in these days where, you know, the stability that we're used to as, as job seekers and employees isn't what it has been over the past few years. That is correct. You know, we see companies closing every week that have been long standing, oh. And now post-COVID, 
the dynamics of organizations have changed drastically. So again, you want to do that severance package negotiation up to the front when you get that job offer. So what strategies can technology professionals employ to effectively negotiate a job offer, especially in terms of salary and benefits? So a few things, uh, I would reiterate doing your research, Glassdoor, salary.com, demonstrating your value, knowing um, your accomplishments, your skills, your experiences that make you unique, right? Um, emphasize industry, like specialty experience, your knowledge of whatever industry you're in. You could even, especially if you're in I keep using sales, but it could be any position where you're working with external partners is playing up on the relationships you have in your network. Because that can be an asset to an organization, your connections. The other thing I would say is um, practice. This is going to make you much more confident and, mu- and feel more prepared. There are so many cool tools out there. Uh, one that I like that's free currently is Udly, Y-O-O-D-L-I. It's an AI-powered platform that allows you to practice any kind of public speaking, but it'll give you uh, analytics based on how many filler words, ums and ahs, how fast you speak, if you need to slow down your kids, etc. I would also say um, don't undersell yourself. Don't take that first offer. This is an opportunity to advocate for yourself. So don't be uncomfortable asking for what you believe that you deserve based on your qualifications and market research. And then talking about that whole package. Don't just look at salary. That's just one component. Consider negotiating other benefits. But what I would say with that is make sure you prioritize which component of your package are most important to you. So salary is probably number one, then maybe commission, you know, commission rates, uh, stock options, and so on. Another important thing, and this isn't so much a strategy as a best practice, is to, throughout the process of negotiation, express enthusiasm. Remember, because you're excited. You just got a job offer. We're celebrating, right? Happy dance. We have to remember to take that energy through the whole conversations, because if all we're bringing to the table is energy that says, find me, I want, then, you know, we're forgetting that this is a business transaction. We're also giving something in return. We're excited about the opportunities. Just make sure you're expressing um, that uh, as well. And then, oh my, one of my favorite tips, and then I'll shut up for a minute, silence. Oh my gosh, silence is bullet. So after you have your counter offer, you've gotten your you've gotten the initial offer, you just said um, in your phone call, you know, call that you're saying, all right, this is what I want for my salary. Um, and these are, you know, B, C and D things that I'm, I'm hoping. Shut up. After you say it, just be quiet. So silence makes us uncomfortable. Anytime there's a break in a conversation, One of us always goes to fill it. Now, the key here is when you said what you are hoping to get, right, your counter offer, it might be uncomfortable for that recruiter or hiring manager on the other side of the table or on the other side of the phone, and it may cause them to open their mouth to make a concession or offer some kind of information that could be beneficial in your negotiation conversation. 
So silence is power. That's the last thing I would say is a, a key strategy to use that a lot of people don't think about. Yes, you're right. And also, not only is silence golden, you have to think about they have to run this up the chain. So if you're looking to you know, increase your salary, if you want to change your work schedule, they can't just tell you yes right off the bat because a lot of times they only have limited authority. So it may have to go to an HR manager, it may have to go to you know, a VP in that department. In some cases it may have to go all the way up to the CEO. So be quiet and be patient. Just because you send a negotiation offer today does not mean you will get an answer tomorrow. It could be a week, it could be two weeks, but be patient and be silent. So that is great advice on that one, Kate. You know what, one thing I would would just add is, and this is a really powerful question to use in any negotiation. Instead of asking, okay, I'm looking for 85K, the job is only 75K. Instead of saying, are you able to do 85K base salary? That's a yes or no question. And it particularly, if that person doesn't have decision-making authority, chances are you're just gonna get a no. Instead, say something like, what kind of flexibility do you have? Because that is open-ended, right? That means they have to go back to the decision-maker and ask the same question. So that's another thing I would say is really, um, man, can strengthen your conversation uh, and give you the upper hand is just by asking what kind of flexibility, what options there are. That is a good point. Definitely ask, you know, what is their flexibility in authorizing this particular salary? So don't leave it yes and no, leave it open-ended and then let them get back to you. Because again, they probably have to go to another level of management to get an answer for you. Now, this is a good question. I think people really don't think about when they're negotiating. So in the context of job offers, what are the potential pitfalls of focusing solely on salary negotiation and neglecting other important aspects like work-life balance or company culture. You know, I I think with this, the main pitfall of focusing on salary and not the other components of the job that you're considering taking is long-term happiness, fulfillment, because if you don't consider company culture, for example, you find your dream job, but you get to the company, um, they clearly don't, they clearly do not put in DEI practices. They clearly do not emphasize work-life balance. You find these things, you know, after you've been in the job one or two or three or four months, and the, the, the chance of you staying there with any sense of longevity is pretty slim when you're feeling that way, which means you're gonna have to go through the process of finding a job all over again. So I would say that that's the main pitfall. Um, The other thing is just being able to keep up your energy, right? Setting the right expectations. If you're not talking about what you need to be successful, both in your personal and professional life, then you're missing the opportunity to have accommodations made for you that allow for that. You're right. And quite a few of my clients are 
military service members. And that's something that they value is that work-life balance. So you definitely want to negotiate things like that where you can spend more time with your family because it's not always about the salary. There are so many other factors to consider. You know, your commute, travel reimbursement, you know, the job itself. Parental or familial leave, any even types of, you know, uh, taking care of family members if they have programs in place, ERGs that, you know, provide opportunities and resources to you as an employee. There are so many things that can really enrich your career and yourself as a person that are worth looking into as you're applying for and accepting job offers and negotiating. You're right. That is a good point. Now, how can a technology professional effectively communicate their value and accomplishments during a job offer negotiation, particularly when discussing performance-based bonuses or raises? You know, this really kind of goes back to being able to share those accomplishment stories, being able to articulate what it is that you bring to the table that your peers might not. It could be in the form of, additional certifications. It could be um, something that's quantifiable. If you know, um, you're creating a new product or maybe a series of new products every year, how many new products are you in- introducing? So you really want to be able to tell the stories in the way I described it earlier. And this is a good skill to have is being able to tell stories using star, for example, discussing what the you know, what the challenge or the task was, the actions that you took, the skills that you used, and be very specific, and then what the result was. Now, that could be something like um, saying, okay, I found a way to negotiate the terms of our CRM contract in a way that saved us $150,000 over the course of three years and, and improved our SLAs. So that tells you what you did, what the situation was, you need to renegotiate a contract, tells you what the result was. And for actions, you could say, you know, I looked up the market value of similar CRMs to have an idea of what the market value was. Then I spoke with our procurement to see, you know, what our contract looked like, et cetera, et cetera. So you're being very specific about what you did to accomplish a specific result. Those are the things, being able to tell that story in two minutes or less um, is what is going to move the needle and help someone understand why you're a better value than someone else who's applied for the same job. That is true. You have to talk about your accomplishments. Some people are uncomfortable with that, but to get what you want out of the job offer, you're going to have to toot your own horn. You're going to have to let them know what I accomplished, whether it was cost saving, whether we work more efficiently due to a process that I, you know, initiated, you have to give them what is your value. And I tell clients, you're not so much telling them the job you did, but what skills you use to accomplish that job and what are the achievements that you made doing that. So it's very important. Highlight the skills, not what you do, but your skills. Love it. 
Another question for you, Kate. What role does market demand for specific tech skills play in negotiating a job offer? And how can candidates leverage this information to their advantage? You know, in the tech world, I would say this this comes in the form to some degree of either on-the-job training experience or certifications or boot camps or some kind of other formal training. So a couple things, I would make sure all those things are articulated on your resume and LinkedIn profile, right? So they're always there to refer to, but also making sure that you verbalize any certifications or skills that maybe aren't so common for someone in your role to have. I would make sure to emphasize those, right? Because if you're if you're simply highlighting things that every other information security professional is going to have on their resume, it's going to be tough to stand out and get the job offer. If you can demonstrate that you have a higher level certification than most of your peers, that is additional value that you can bring to the organization. You're right. And also education, you know, some of these positions may ask for just a bachelor's, but if you went that extra step and completed a master's in, you know, cybersecurity, information technology, that puts you a step above the other candidates. So again, you want to emphasize what skills, what certifications, what education that you have that is above what your peers may have. So that is definitely a good point because there is, you know, a base where everyone is supposed to have these same skills. But if you put in the extra work and got more than what is required, you're going to stand out and you have to articulate that as well. So that is a great point, Kate. Now, what steps can a technology professional take if they receive a job offer that is otherwise appealing but falls short in terms of salary or benefits? I think this is, you know, like every negotiation, you always want to start off by expressing gratitude and enthusiasm for the job offer. And I think, you know, this would merit a conversation, right? So you get the job offer via email. Maybe they give you a call and you say, okay, um, I'm really excited. Thank you so much for this job offer. Of course, this is something that's a big decision for me. Do you think I could take two to three days to give it some thought? And in those two to three days, that's when you're thinking about, okay, what do I need to ask for? How far apart are we in salary? Can benefits make up for where salary may not be able to? And how do I prioritize which of those things is most important to me and then be able to tell that story? So that gives you two days to identify, prioritize, and practice and request for a conversation. So that's basically the steps that you want to take um, to at least get yourself positioned for that conversation. And then again, you know, basically falling back on the best practices and the tips that we've talked about, being able to articulate your value um, and you know, the conversation doesn't need to be difficult. It can be, you know, it needs to be conversational. I'm really excited about the offer. I'm very excited about the opportunity. I can't wait to join the team and have all these ideas of what I'm going to do my first 90 days. My only concern is that the salary falls a bit short of, of what I believe is commensurate for the role and my experience and skill set. I'm looking for a range that's more like X. 
what kind of flexibility do we have? And then, of course, to Nicolette's point, be patient, give them time to respond. Yes. And you made a good point where you talked about, can I have two to three days? When you are offered the job, do not accept it right out the bat. Get it in writing. Because I can tell Kate, hey, I'm going to pay you $95,000. And she's like, yes, yes, I'll take it. But when that offer comes, the paper may say, oh, I'm only going to pay you $85,000. Guess who wins? The paper. So you always want to ask for time to look over the offer. I have not run across any employer that will not grant you that time. Some of them will even say, hey, take a week. Talk with your family about it because you want to go over every aspect of that offer and then see the areas you want to negotiate. And that's where you have time to write out your justification and why you should get X amount dollars or these other benefits that it may have fell short on on that job offer. Take the time and look at it with a fine-tooth comb and then write down the areas you want to negotiate. So that is a great point. Always ask for a few days to look over that offer. Now, Kate, what advice do you have for candidates who are uncomfortable with initiating a salary negotiation conversation? And how can they overcome this hesitation and approach the discussion confidently? There's a few things you can do here. First of all, know your resume inside and out because more than likely you're gonna have to justify or at least be able to explain things on your resume potentially in a negotiation conversation. The other thing I would say is get really good at telling those stories about your accomplishments. So that means practicing. Use that tool called Udly and you know to have your voice recorded and your answers recorded and get some feedback as to how you can approve those. Start having conversations about money, informational interviews. Uh, call an organization that you have zero interest in applying for and ask the tough question. Hey, would you mind sharing, you know, to HR, would you mind sharing what the, you know, the general range of salary is for this particular role at your company? At least get comfortable asking the hard questions and maybe a lower uh, pressure situation. I would say those are the biggest, uh, the biggest things because you're going to be confident the more prepared that you are. And you're only going to feel prepared if you've had these conversations before, at least have some familiarity with what those conversations should look like. And you're right. A lot of people are uncomfortable talking about salary, but if that's something you're very fond of or something you're looking to get, you're going to have to practice. You're going to have to prepare yourself to have that conversation, especially if you're talking to someone. If it's via email, that's a little different, but you're still going to have to be prepared to talk about salary. You can't avoid it. I don't care what industry you're in. You know, that brings up a good point um, that you mentioned is having how you're having the conversation. I think that it's preferable to have a, a negotiation conversation over the phone or via Zoom as opposed to email because email obviously it's pretty it's hard to a you can't tell what the tone of someone's you know 
voices because it's just content, uh, written content. You can't see expressions and email so much slower. And granted, we know that we're going to get a lag time between getting answers about what we've asked for and what they're willing to do. But that's even more, uh, it's even longer if you're using email. So that's one thing I would, I would add to that is try to have a voice conversation as opposed to one via email. Oh, that's great. Voice or a Zoom call. That's a good advice. So, Kate, my final question for you, are there specific negotiation techniques that have proven successful in your experience for candidates seeking higher compensation? The key things here would be don't be first, right? Don't give your salary range first. Um, I would also say, for example, if if the salary range that an organization is offering for the position you're applying for is, for example, 130 to 160, then you want your desired range to just skim under the top of theirs. So theirs was 130 to 160. So you might come in with, I'm looking for a salary with a range of 150 to 175. That overlap gets you closer, right? So maybe you're targeting, you know, maybe your walk away number is 150. If you give that at your low range and their high range is 160, you're much more likely to get that. So I would say, don't be first. And if you do have to give a range, position it just slightly higher than the top of their range. I would also add that you should express some level of flexibility along with enthusiasm. Show that you are willing to consider different options. That could be being flexible about some benefits or your compensation structure, but it makes you appear more collaborative and cooperative. So that's one thing I would also um, include in there. And then lastly, oh, actually I have a good one. I would say have your walkaway number. I mentioned that skimmed over it a second ago. But your walkaway number is really the lowest that you can work for. You know what I mean? Just pay your bills, get by. You have to have a walkaway number before you start any negotiations. In fact, I would do it before you even start job searching. Make sure you use that question. What flexibility do you have? Don't disclose your prior salary. Recruiters love to ask this question. Oh, what did you make in your last job? Who cares? It's irrelevant, my friend. It doesn't matter because guess what? You're not doing that job. You're doing a different job. So what you get paid is whatever that position should pay in the market that you're in for the amount of work that you're doing based on your qualifications. So don't disclose it. It doesn't matter. Instead, say I'm targeting a salary of blank. That would be my last little bit that I think people absolutely need to know and take advantage of when they're negotiating. That is correct. I tell clients, do not disclose your current or former compensation. This is a whole different job. This is something new. So you want to definitely don't look at and don't mention your former compensation because they may try to lowball you. So you definitely don't want to do that. Kate, any final words before we end the podcast? The last thing I would say to our listeners is remember that negotiating a job offer or promotion isn't personal. 
It's not personal. It's a business transaction. It's an exchange of services for dollar bills. That is it. So if you don't get the offer that you hope for, or you're not able to secure the negotiation um, that you were hoping for, it's not a reflection of who you are or your value or what you have to offer. It's simply what the organization is able to pay for that particular position. That's correct. And before we end, Kate, let the viewers or the listeners know how they can contact you. Sure. The best way would be to find me on LinkedIn. My name is Kate, K-A-T-E. My last name's a little tricky, but I'm the one of the only Pozesniks out there. It's P-O-Z-E-Z-N-I-K. If you look me up and connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a DM. I am happy to connect with you. Great. Again, I'd like to thank you, Kate Pozesnik for being my podcast guest on resumes and interviews. This is your host, Nicolette Hemingway, the Interviewologist Career Coach. And we will talk to you soon.